Today's guest is Doreen Summerland. Doreen is a wildlife biologist who has worked for the Arapaho National Forest for over 30 years. She's currently working for the Colorado Parks and Wildlife. Doreen shares her years of knowledge of the winter wildlife here in Grand County. Sit back and enjoy. Hello, Doreen. Thank you for joining me today. Hi, Gaylene. Pleasure to be here. I'm so glad you're here. Plus, I should mention that you're like one of my best friends. So <laughs> you're doing this as a huge favor for me. <laughs> I always love talking about wildlife. Well, let's get right into it and talk about what are the winter wildlife viewing opportunities here in Grand County. Well, since we're so high elevation here in Middle Park, Wildlife in the winter tend to be concentrated either around backyard bird feeders or winter ranges or maybe also in or along open water on lakes and streams. What about, I know we were talking about some of the birds. How can you identify the birds that are here in the winter? Oh, there's two ways to do it. One is to purchase a seed feeder fill it up with black oil sunflower seeds, and then you can get a really close look at the birds that come into your feeder in the wintertime. So that, with a good bird guide, will allow you to identify and maybe appreciate even more the birds that survive here in Grand County in the winter. So many species leave for places that are warmer with more food, and the ones that stay are the real tough guys. They have to be, especially this January. We've had a cold one. Yeah, I've heard that some birds shiver so much overnight that they can lose 10% of their body weight on these cold nights. Wow. So if you do have an opportunity to put out some black oil sunflower seeds, it can really help birds get through the worst part of the winter. Hear that? Put out your bird feeders. (laughs) (laughs) Well, how do they, getting to that point, how do they actually exist when it is like below zero? How do wildlife, like how do deer survive and these birds? Well, when you think about it, animals have, in general, three basic ways of surviving the winter. They can migrate, which means they just leave and avoid the frigid temperatures and deep snow. They can also hibernate or many different forms of hibernation, which pretty much just say they become inactive in the winter in a thermally controlled environment like a a den or a burrow or under the snow layer where it's insulated, or they endure like our deer and our elk and our bald eagles and our chickadees and it's difficult they have to have survival strategies that allow them to find food in a challenging environment as well as surviving cold temperatures cold wind deep snow so they're the real tough species out there and they and they do have strategies that allow them to survive by by where they choose to shelter the fat that they can put on in the summer and fall the way they puff their feathers up to make it through the evening. I should mention that we have a couple dogs in the background <laughs> that are playing. So that's the jingle noise we hear. It's not Santa. It's not Santa. We're past that time of year. So that really is interesting to figure out how they do survive. And so that really is an interesting fact. What about feeding wildlife? I know so many people want to. I know birds is one thing, but people want to feed feed raccoon or the little chipmunk or whatever they may see. So what's your advice on Well, of course, in the state of Colorado, the only species that are legal to feed are songbirds, birds via uh, bird feeders. 
And even then, you have to be so responsible about that to keep them clean, keep them sanitized so they're safe for birds, and take them in at night to limit the ability of other animals to get to them, like black bears and, and raccoons and, and species that you don't want in your backyard. I know a lot of people are tender-hearted, especially in the winter. They feel bad for animals and want to feed the foxes and the coyotes or many other species you might see in your neighborhood. But it's, it's illegal to do so. It's unwise and unsafe because, again, you're conditioning animals to expect food from humans. And although there's not really a dark side to that with a white-breasted nuthatch, there, there is with, with carnivores, even small carnivores like foxes. When they lose their fear of humans, they'll be approaching people. They might approach children, and that can be a dangerous situation where those animals might have to be moved or destroyed just because you had some compassion in the winter and offered them some food. So you just have to resist those urges and not feed wildlife. Thank you for saying that. I see people feeding, and you, you don't know what to always say. People do mean well, and sometimes you can appeal to, to that side of them, but it, it's to the detriment of the animal in the long run, so yeah. try that. Okay, good advice. So what would be some tips that you would have, some viewing, winter trip tips, I should say, some winter viewing tips that visitors can do when they're here? Yeah, well, you can never guarantee where animals are going to be, <laughs> especially in the winter. But, but there are some places where you're usually guaranteed to pretty interesting viewing if you're patient and observant and if you have a good pair of binoculars or even a spotting scope. But some of my favorite places to view wildlife in the winter are if you're, if you're really into mule deer, what a great time of year to see them because they're concentrated on winter ranges, which are valley floors and south-facing sagebrush slopes. So you don't want to run them off, make them burn up precious fat reserves by your presence. But if you can view from a distance from, from Highway 40, from Highway 9, um, find a safe place along the highway, especially during morning and evening times, dawn and dusk, and, and observe these large herds of mule deer on their winter range. Um, you, can see the, you can see the bucks, you can see last year's fawns, you can see the does hopefully starting to look a little chubbier now because they're pregnant from breeding last fall and will be having their, their fawns, of course, in the summer. But you can see large groups of them, sometimes 10, sometimes 100, sometimes 200. And the further west you go in Grand County, the better the viewing is pretty much anywhere from partial to uh, Kremling and west of Kremling and south of Kremling on the Blue River. And those are also, coincidentally, some great places to view bald eagles in the winter. There's always some open water on the Colorado River because of the flow. Mm -hmm. And again, anywhere where you can get open water, pretty much starting from Hot Sulphur Springs, downstream all the way to Kremling. On our midwinter bald eagle count just a couple weeks ago, one biologist counted 43 bald eagles wow. from Byers Canyon to Kremling. Oh my word. Isn't that remarkable? You can find a safe place to pull off Highway 40 and look toward the river, toward the cottonwood trees, especially in areas of open water. Look for those large, dark birds with white heads perched in the cottonwood trees. It's great viewing, much better than in the summertime. That's great. Yeah, it's really cool. Let's go do a road trip. <laughs> we should. <laughs> right now. <laughs> and then another viewing opportunity that's really cool in the wintertime are uh, river otters because they need to maintain their access to the water to feed. And those open water areas, again, are restricted in the wintertime. Places like the southern end of Shadow Mountain Reservoir where there's open water because of flowing water from the canal. Even Monarch Lake around the dam 
can be great places to view river otters in the wintertime. You know, I've never seen a river otter in the winter. Well, we have friends that have tremendous luck at seeing them. Yes, I am do. not one of those. <laughs> I am not either. <laughs> but even if you don't see them, if you pay attention to what's happening around open water, you can see slides where they've been playing. Mm -hmm. They climb up snowbanks and slide down them and splash oh, into the water. How fun. You can see sometimes feeding sites where there's maybe some exoskeletons of crayfish or fish remains, fish bones and scales. So you can see where they've been, even if you don't see the otters themselves. Oh, wow. I have to share a story. So Doreen and I were cross-country skiing a couple years ago, and we stopped, and she said, oh, my word, look, there's all this activity, this wildlife activity that's happened. And I'm looking around thinking that, you know, I'm going to see tusks of fur or something. And, and all of a sudden we look down and she explains to me a situation where probably a squirrel came down to get a sunflower seed or something. And then there was a bird that it had walked kind of on the snow. It was the funniest thing, but I still remember that. So going on any adventure with Doreen is always such a treat. But that reminds me of so many stories, Gaylene. But the essence of these winter stories is that, as a, a biologist friend of mine used to say, it's like reading the newspaper. In the winter, wildlife activity leaves tracks, right? Maybe it's a wing pattern in the snow from a great horned owl that came in to pounce on a rodent underneath the snow. Maybe it's tracks of a squirrel going from tree to tree. Maybe it's tracks of a lion foraging along some winter range and looking for deer. But there are tracks on the ground that you can't see in the summertime. And if you pay attention and identify the tracks, where they're going, what they're doing, it tells a complete story. The whole drama is there, even if you don't see the animals. It's something really unique to the wintertime. You're so right, because that was just one example. We've had many. Um, <laughs> yes, and I've been put on task to sometimes find little little outings that have happened with wildlife. It's quite fun. And that's not even to mention all the poop. That's Oh, boy. Yes, I've learned quite a bit about animal poop, too, yeah. being with Doreen. So, and, and Prince. Yep. That's as well. So Animal sign and animal tracks in the wintertime is fascinating. That is true. And, you know, it is cool, too. You can also tell where elk have been and moose. And that's really a neat thing, too, where they have bedded down for the night. And then maybe the hopes of seeing them from a distance. Exactly. So that brings me up to the point of people think, oh, I should get close to this moose to get the great picture or the elk. And what are... Why should be why should people be careful around wildlife and give them their space? Well, just in general, they're they're large, dangerous animals that can that can do you harm, or your pets, or your kids, or your cars. Um, you need to respect them just like you would want the respect in return. And especially in winter, think about how hard it is for them to get through every day. And anytime you affect them, if you see their ears go back. If you see the hair on their shoulders raise up, they're starting to get stressed. And just like when you're stressed, you're starting to burn more energy. Mm -hmm. That's the last thing that they need. Certainly for them to run away or run toward you then burns even more calories. It's dangerous to you and it's dangerous to them because it could cause them to lose weight. It could stress them out. And winter is such a difficult time. Yeah. Respect them give, them, give them their distance. Always have your binoculars handy if you really do want to have a nice wildlife interaction. That's the way to do it. So they're not stressed, you're not stressed, everybody's safe. So 
Is it true that bears hibernate? <laughs> a burning question. Bears need a lot of food to get through every day. Those food sources are not available in the winter. So they have to check out in some way. They can't eat and they have to conserve energy. So they find areas to um, wait out the winter in a sleeping state. They're not true, complete hibernators, but there's lots of different physiological terms for spending the winter in an inactive state. And bears certainly do that. Bears are not true hibernators, but they spend their winter in inactive states. So okay. yeah. Okay. Yeah, essentially they do they do hibernate, but you can look all of that up online if you're interested in the physiology of an inactive bear during the winter. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I have one last question. What is your favorite winter animal? <gasps> I know, that's putting you on the spot, I know. Oh, that is a really tricky one. Every year we hold a Christmas bird count with Granby as the center of the 15 mile diameter circle. It always happens like the week before Christmas. And some of the things we see on Christmas bird count, having a lot of people looking and a lot of people with scopes and a lot of patience, we come up with winter wildlife we wouldn't have expected, especially winter bird species. And for instance, this year we had a trumpeter swan out on Lake Granby. What a special sighting that is to see a trumpeter swan. We don't see them here in the wintertime, or in the summertime. Wow. And they're rare winter visitors. And whenever you can see something like that that's really unusual in the winter, it makes you wonder what their story is, why they're here. Are they passing through? Are they going to be here for an hour? Or are they going to be here for a week? Things like that. We had pie-billed grebes on Lake Granby. What a treat to see these beautiful little grebes in a small flock in the cold winter December water. Yes. So to me, it's the little things, the little species and the surprises um, that I really appreciate the most in the wintertime. Maybe birds that you would have overlooked, but with a little patience, you'll, you'll see and, and appreciate and wonder how they make it through the winter. Oh, wow. <laughs> See, this is why I love hanging out with Doreen, too. I don't even know those two species that she's talking about, <laughs> but I'm going to look them up so I can see what she saw. Well, Doreen, as always, it's so good seeing you. I see you quite a bit, but I appreciate you taking the time and bringing the dogs over, and this was fun. Yeah, I'd love anytime we can talk about wildlife. Sounds good to me, Okay, Katie. we're going to talk summer Okay. next. All right, thanks. You're welcome. Thank you.